Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the forthcoming book The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compare to Podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore, your host, and thank you for listening. It's been a couple weeks since I've put out an episode, and I'm sorry about that if you're a regular listener. There's a variety of reasons for this. Last week, I lost my grandfather. He passed away just 10 weeks after I lost my grandmother. They were married 74 years last August, and she passed away in September. He made it till November. They were both in their mid-90s. And my grandfather, Pap, as we used to call him, would have turned 95 on Christmas Day. And their passing makes me both sad and happy at the same time. Yes, I'm going to miss them. I haven't taken their phone numbers out of my phone yet. And it's hard to think about never going to their house again or not getting birthday or Christmas cards from them anymore. But this is where my faith is challenged and strengthened, as I have no doubt in my mind that they are in heaven with Jesus. My grandfather was injured in World War II, saving another man's life, and he hasn't been able to walk unassisted for decades. He lost his right hand in an accident at a lumber mill when he was in his early 20s. And though there is nothing that man couldn't do with just one hand, today in heaven, he has both hands again, and he can walk without pain. There's a deep joy in knowing that all of this is true, but at the same time, there's loss, there's grief. And some of you may have lost someone this year, too. Maybe you know what I mean. It's strange to have people just deleted from your life. Sometimes it's not death that deletes people from our lives. It's arguments or physical distance or circumstances that separate us from those we love. And it leaves us feeling alone or missing a relationship that was once there. COVID has left a lot of us feeling alone, I know. Separation, closures, depending on what state you live in, regulations for Thanksgiving, you may be grieving what the holidays will look and feel like. I understand if that's you. My plans have gone from having a house full to just being our family of six. And I already bought an 18-pound turkey, so... Yes, please go ahead and forward me your favorite turkey leftover recipe because I think we're going to be eating turkey around here for a long time. But I don't want today's show to be a downer. Rather, I wanted to share where I'm at so you know that you're not alone if you've been feeling lonely or you're grieving this season. And I also wanted to have a conversation about food and body image and all those things because that can all be tricky to navigate during the holiday season. So I hope through this episode to give you some encouragement. And I have a few points to make. I'm going to just generically call this food, gratitude, and attitude. So here's where I'm at today. First, this has been a weird year for me on the food front. 
I feel like I have many guests on this show that have varying opinions on dieting and food, and I'm not certain that I've been consistent in my leadership because of that. So please forgive me for any confusion. I know of guests that have talked about going on diets and called that success. And I have other guests that are like, diets are awful, never go on a diet. And you know, honestly, I'm just trying to sort all of this out myself. So here's what I know right now, November, 2020. I know this for sure. I know that I used to be addicted to diets and food plans. And I know why I love them, namely because I thought they would offer me a way out of all of my problems. I thought that they would save me. The next diet would be the one to lead me to a place of joy, peace, and rest because the next diet would be the one that would finally make me skinny forever and ever and ever. Amen. And once I was skinny, well, then there's no stopping me, right? (laughs) I mean, the truth is, Diets don't do this. They don't give us confidence. That's not to say that losing a few pounds won't make you feel better about your body for a few weeks or for a few months. I know that's true, but it doesn't give you a lasting confidence. Lasting confidence only comes from the inside. Why? Because the problem with diets is they end. You go off the diet and what happens? (laughs) Your body starts to go back to the way it was or or worse. And if you're like 90% of the dieting population, you will gain it all back. So if your confidence was found in your temporarily thinner body, mm, sorry, it doesn't last. It goes away when you go off the diet. So what do you have to do? You have to go on another diet. And what does that do to your health over the long run? I don't even think science has begun to explore all of the negative impact of yo-yo dieting or going on a diet and off a diet. So let's go back to that 90% because that's that's statistical, right? Like you can Google that. You can find 90% of the dieting population fails and they gain back everything they lost. So if you found out that your diet only had a 10% chance of being effective long-term, what would you say? Would you say that you're going to be the one to defy the odds? I mean, a lot of us have that kind of overcomer that doesn't apply to me mentality when there's something that we really want and we pursue it, right? But but follow me here. I, I think these are things that we don't think through, that we don't like discuss enough, that we don't talk over. Because I still hear a lot of women talking about diets and how diets are the answer and how diets will make them feel better. But the statistical truth is diets don't work. So why are we still stuck there? And then I've got this whole other dilemma. You see, I know there's some of you maybe listening today who sincerely need to lose weight for health reasons alone. And unless you have a plan, you don't know how to pursue that goal. And I understand that. My friend Sarah from The Holy Mess, she lost more than 100 pounds. And we did an episode last spring. And she has a plan. And I believe it's a gospel-centered, a Christ-focused plan. I don't think it's a bad plan. And, And she's in that 10%. She's maintained her weight loss for, I think, a decade. But I watch other friends go on these extreme plans to try to lose 10 pounds. And my heart just hurts for them. Like, what are they telling their children when they do this? And what kind of modeling, most importantly, are they doing for their children? I'll just tell you a quick story. I teach a class at our homeschool co-op, and we have a presentation time each week. And one of the little girls presented on what her mom made for a very special dinner they had. And she went on and on and on about all this delicious food. It was super cute. But after a presentation, there's a time for the other kids to ask questions. And one little boy raised his hand, and this is the question he asked. And did your mom eat the yummy dinner she made or was she on a diet? 
Oh, friends. And the moms in our class kind of did a bit of a nervous giggle. And the girl was like, she ate it, of course, but my heart hurt. Our kids notice when we restrict food and they learn from it. They learn how to have a disordered relationship with food. They learn that restricting is what we do or worse, what is required even to bring your body to an acceptable place. Of course, we don't use that language, but isn't that what we're really communicating? Mommy isn't good enough right now. Mommy must be better. She must be better faster. And she must do this extreme program to make her better faster. Candidly, I wonder what my life would be like right now if my mom had never dieted. I wonder what my relationship with food would be like if I never learned the pattern of restriction, indulgence, restriction, indulgence. Some of you know exactly what I mean. Would I be able to look at a bag of Ghirardelli chocolate and not be tempted to eat them all? Would I be able to enjoy the chocolate and not feel guilty or start the bargaining with myself as to how many I could eat or how much I need to exercise if I ate this many? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. These games we play in our head all about food. In the last episode, I talked to Asherita Chuchu, who confessed to thinking about food all the time. And some of you could relate to that. I know I certainly could. And she's talked about how she's tried to fix her mind on Jesus and not on food, which I love. And she offered some great insights on that. If you didn't listen to that episode yet, I hope you'll check it out. But she said one thing in that episode that really struck a chord with me, because it's something that God's been talking to me about all through 2020. Are you ready for this? God made food for our enjoyment. Does that strike you strange? Like it did me. Like I had to process this. I mean, it's weird, but I had to process. God made food for our enjoyment. It's okay to enjoy food. It's okay to savor food. God gave us taste buds so we could taste sweet and savory and sour. All the flavors, right? God didn't design us to live on rice cakes. He didn't create these rules that diets have that say if it tastes good, it's probably forbidden. Like all these rules, all the diet rules, all the food rules, they all fight against our natural instinct to want to enjoy food. And in truth, God's creation of food and our bodies that were created for the enjoyment of food. Friends, I don't know why I thought that simple practically knocked me over, but it did. I have a hard time seeing food as something good. Food is something I fight with. Food is the enemy. M&Ms, I like to say, are my kryptonite because I truly love them, especially the mint varieties that are available at the holidays. But think about what I'm really saying in that. I'm saying that M&Ms have power over me. I'm saying that they're bad and I can't resist them. So what if I changed my attitude towards food? What if I were able to call food good? Yes, I'm segueing into attitude. Okay, I guess I wasn't clear about food, gratitude, and attitude, but now we're going to talk about attitude because I wonder if our attitude towards food isn't more important than what we actually eat or at least as important. My friend Erin Carey, she's an integrative nutrition coach. She's been on the show a couple times. I've talked about her a lot, but she says a body under stress will not digest. If the foods we're eating are stressing us out because we've spent our entire lives conditioning ourselves to think that they're bad, I wonder if they aren't actually harming our bodies more because of what we believe about them than because of what they actually contain. 
Now, I know some of you have a disordered eating history like I do. And so to think about food as good may sound a little scary. Like if every food is labeled okay or good or permissible and no food is off limits, won't I eat all the things and gain hundreds of pounds and then be truly miserable? Like I know that's what you're thinking right now. And I'll be honest, I don't have a scientific way to tell you, no, that's not going to happen. But from things I've read and observed, I can tell you, I don't believe that's what will happen. You see, I'm starting to study intuitive eating, and a new writer friend of mine, Alexandra McKillops, she's a doctor. She's written a book on how destructive diets are. I got the chance to read it early. I'm going to have her on the show in the spring after her book releases so we can talk more about it. But as I pre-read her book, one of my big takeaways was that we have to change our attitude towards food. And I can't wait to have a longer conversation with her about this. Because some of you are in the same spot I am, where you have food issues that are related to your health issues. Like maybe you ate a certain food and it gave you a certain issue. Like you can't eat gluten without breaking out a rash or dairy tears up your organs inside. Like I get that. And so it's tricky to find the line between all foods are good, but not all foods make me feel good and just let it go at that. So it's November and no one's talking about New Year's diets yet, but so many of us who are raised dieting feel fear and dread about food this time of year. We just do. We wonder how many pounds we'll pack on over the holidays. We try to play all these games with ourselves using rules we picked up from a women's magazine that say things like eat before you go to the Christmas party so you won't overeat once you get there. I mean, I don't know about you, friend, but I could eat a full meal and go to the Christmas party and still eat all the things. Or take a veggie tray to the party and then focus your eating on the tray you brought. I've done that too. And I've covered all the carrots on my plate with dips and mini egg rolls and cookies and fudge. Or my favorite, pick just one treat and then savor it. Yes, as long as that meant one treat from each category, I was good. (laughs) I'd have one small cookie, one large cookie, one brownie-like dessert, one fruit dessert, one savory appetizer, one dip. You get the idea. Those food rules, ugh, they used to rule my life at the holidays. I was so consumed thinking about them, rattling through the list of them in my mind as I attended holiday functions. And the truth is, I go to Christmas parties so ultra-focused on the food that I didn't really show up to engage and love others at the party. Even when I've hosted parties, I've been so focused on the food, what was left over, what I had to snag before it was all gone. Would there be enough pie left over for a piece later? You know what I'm talking about. How many mint M&Ms could I snag from the bowl before the guests came without the bowl looking too empty? All the things, friends, you know it. I've missed out on people and relationships because I was worried about what would go into my mouth and then my stomach. And then later, I would feel regret and shame and wonder how I could burn it off or how I could make up for my so-called food sins. So like I started explaining in this segment, I don't have all the answers when it comes to food. I'd like to talk about body image. I have more experience there, but food is something I'm still kind of trying to figure out how to navigate. But I do know that neither extreme offers freedom. It's not freedom to be on a restrictive diet. Neither is it freedom to be so controlled by consuming certain foods that it owns you. There's got to be a place to live in the middle where there's peace and enjoyment and grace. My question to you is, have you found it? 
So truth is for me, I'm working on it. I'm doing so much better than I ever have before. Sometimes I get carried away. I slip back into my, I'm going to finish the bag now and then not eat tomorrow way of thinking. And when I do, I just try to give myself grace. I confess to God my weaknesses and then I let it go. I don't wallow in the guilt. But I do still mess up all the time. I think it's harder to navigate food addiction issues than alcohol or drugs because you can live without drinks and drugs, but you can't live without food. You need it. So complete avoidance is impossible. Therefore, you have to make peace with it. And again, I'm beginning to understand that an important part of making peace is understanding and believing that food is good and that it's okay to find pleasure in it. One other thought here, another place that I probably need to apologize. I always heard that emotional eating was bad. You were sinning if you went to the brownies instead of Jesus. I may have even implied this. I don't think I wrote it anywhere, but I may have implied it. And I'm starting to think differently on this front too. Gluttony, of course, is a sin. So take care of business there of gluttony is is what you've stumbled into. But I wonder if it isn't okay to use food to nourish our souls and to comfort us. I'm beginning to think that to say food can't bring us emotional comfort or that there's something sinful about that is just plain wrong. I don't think anyone would say that about sex. You wouldn't say that it's wrong to have sex with your husband after an emotionally taxing event and to derive comfort from that. So I wonder if food isn't in the same category in a way. I wonder if there are times, like when you're sick or lonely or just sad, when it's not okay to curl up with something warm and nourishing just because it brings emotional comfort. And I hate that I feel like after I say that, I need to add all these disclaimers. Like as long as you don't overdo it, or as long as you don't always run to it. Like I hate the fact that I've had all of these food rules driven into my brain for so many years that I can't even say it's okay to curl up with something warm and nourishing because it brings emotional comfort without adding a zillion different disclaimer statements after. And maybe that's where I just need to stop. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I've been putting too many fences around this for too long. If gluttony is really the only sin, then make that the line. Maybe it's okay to let food nourish your body and your soul. Of course, Jesus is the bread of life. He's our ultimate source of comfort, of nourishment. Yes, we should go to him always. But maybe he created warm chocolate chip cookies and a cup of coffee (laughs) to nourish us along with him? What if it's okay to enjoy a cheesy casserole because it reminds you of home? What if it's okay to have some ice cream because it makes you feel good when you're celebrating? Why do we have so many food rules that restrict something beyond what God's restriction is? I know these are tricky topics. I'd love to get your thoughts on them. In fact, feel free to drop me a line anytime. It's heather at compared to who.me. And I've got more thoughts on this topic that I'll share right after this quick break. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? 
Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. Okay, so this is Thanksgiving week, and it's time to be grateful. I've done other episodes on this topic, so I won't spend a lot of time here today. But can I encourage you with one truth? When we're grateful, we appreciate things more, right? So this may sound weird, but what if we tried being really, really grateful for food this year? Would we appreciate it? Would we be less likely to overindulge because we'd be thankful for it? Maybe not trying to finish it off so it won't tempt us tomorrow? That's just a random thought I had. Of course, being grateful for our family, health, homes, all of those things are very important to overcoming comparison issues. But what about being thankful for food and for our bodies? Can you say, God, thank you for my body? Ouch and wow, right? I've struggled with that one too. But God made your body. He calls it good. Can you thank him for it? If you're struggling with any of these food and body kinds of issues, can I invite you to something? My friend Erin Carey, the integrative nutrition coach, she and I do this group called Refocus 2020. It's a two-week session on Facebook. We've run it four times already this year. It's been absolutely amazing. We've gotten great feedback from the women who've participated. Erin talks about all the physical and nutrition stuff, like a body that's stressed can't digest. And she's got many more little quips like that that are really helpful. She talks about the nitty gritty of how do you eat, not overeat? How do you find a healthy relationship with food without dieting? Well, I talk about body image and the spiritual side of health. You see, a lot of women believe that once they lose the weight, they're healthy. But I don't think that's true. In fact, you can lose weight and still not be spiritually healthy. In fact, you can lose weight and not be emotionally, mentally, or physically healthy either. Like, weight loss isn't a measure of health. It's just a standard that our culture uses to congratulate women, a metric women should try to strive for. Lose weight. Oh, wow. You're awesome for doing that. I mean, if you stop and think about it, it's kind of ridiculous. Congratulations on taking up less space on the earth. Woohoo! You're awesome. Like, as if that's an amazing achievement. And again, not to say that it's not. If you have serious health issues and you're trying really hard to meet a health goal, that is amazing, the effort you're putting in. But I'm talking to the women out there that have been trying to lose those same 10 vanity pounds for 20 years, right? Or maybe it's 20 vanity pounds. But maybe your body's happy. Maybe your body's at a point where it's really okay. Maybe it's time that you just call your body okay, too, and enjoy life. So back to Refocus 2020, we start Monday, November 30th, and we'll let you in up until that day or even a few days after because it's a self-paced course, so you can catch up. So if it's already December 2nd and you still want in, just hop on anyway. This is our last group of the year, and it's the last group that we're offering for the low price of $28. That's essentially $2 a day for two teaching sessions each day, interaction with Aaron and I throughout the course, and then we do a live Q&A night on Zoom where you can hop on and you can ask whatever question you want. Would you consider joining us? You can sign up on my website, go to compare to who, and then go to the body image coaching tab and choose refocus. You can get all the information there and the link to sign up. We'd love to work with you. I think you'll have a really good experience and I think it's the perfect time to do it, right? So many of us wait till January to work on this stuff. Why not work on it now and get free before Christmas? I don't know. To me, that sounds, that sounds ideal. 
I'm also going to be opening up in January a new round of body image coaching. I'd love to work with you one-on-one or in a group. So if that's of interest, you can find out more information on the same coaching tab on the website. Working with women, honestly, friends, is one of my great loves. Being a temporary discipler, a body image coach, it's just an honor to help set women on the path to freedom. One woman I was coaching last month told me after a few weeks of us working together that she was grateful. And her words, I, I just jotted them down. I haven't asked her permission to use those, so I hope it's okay. But I was like, hey, you know, what's what's going on? How has this been for you? And she was like, Heather, you've helped me correctly identify who the enemy is. The enemy's not food, and it's not my body. And it's not my thoughts. The true enemy is Satan. The work we did together really helped her see what parts of her struggle were tied to lies that he had been telling her her entire life. So anyway, if you think coaching could help you, ask for it for Christmas or set aside some money in your budget to make it a priority in 2021. I have full confidence that within four to six weeks of us working together and talking through your specific issues, we can change the way you see your body. So 2020 has been quite a year and I'm kind of glad it's wrapping up. I don't know how you feel. So this is going to be the last episode until next year, but I appreciate you listening. And it would be such an honor if you would drop the show a five-star review. Those mean a whole lot. So thanks for considering doing that. And also, if you haven't read my books compared to who or burden of better friend, would you consider grabbing one this holiday season? I pray that it will be a blessing to you Um, or better yet, grab a friend or two and go through the books together. Like you can gift them to them for Christmas and then rope them in to meeting with you in person or in Zoom. But it's truly a great way to start meaningful conversations with your friends about these issues of body image and comparison. Take your relationship to a new level where you can talk about these things honestly and have accountability and find freedom together. One listener recently wrote me and she told me that she and a friend listened to this show together. And man, that really blessed me just to hear that. Like we weren't designed to do life on our own. And these issues are best solved when we talk them through with godly friends. So I love to hear stories like this. Thank you for listening today. Can I pray for you as we close this episode? Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray right now for my friend who's listening, God, and I just pray that you will be with her this holiday season. I pray that your hand of protection will be over her family, over their health, over their home. God, I pray peace in her heart and peace in the hearts of those in her family. I pray that her Thanksgiving table and her Christmas table will be places of peace and love and comfort and nourishment. God, I pray that you will do a mighty work in her heart through this holiday season. God, I pray that you will heal any brokenness in her relationship with food. I pray that you'll heal any brokenness in her relationship with others. God, I pray that she will feel so embraced and showered in your love and your grace that my friend will have a newfound confidence that comes from you that she knows she could never get from just having a better body or better stuff. God, I pray that she will feel secure in your love and your great grace. God, I pray again, peace over her heart and her home. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I wish you a very blessed, safe, and happy holiday season. And I hope something in this episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. I'll see you in the new year. Merry Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye.
hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.